Part two, we speak about uh, how Eddie got into management, how his coaching career began at Dundee United in the community section, worked his way through the youth system, then moved on to the youth systems at other clubs um, in the Scottish leagues. Began coaching at the juniors with Lockheed United, had a successful spell there before moving on to Montrose uh, and equally done okay but he's got some great insight into it and, and lessons learned. Um, I mean, hindsight is a beautiful thing. So, and then he speaks about he's probably the most successful and most decorated manager in, in the women's game, especially in this country, um, with Glasgow City. touches on his time there and, and players work with it. And we couldn't finish without talking about Champions League nights, league titles players and we also couldn't finish without talking about his beloved Barcelona and how much that means to him uh, and how much apart Jim McLean and Barcelona uh, football club have had on in Eddie's uh, ethos, philosophies and career to this date so thanks again for listening, thanks again Eddie for all his insight, all his knowledge, the beauty of the mind that he has for football, it's been great. Um, Thanks for listening. Please enjoy part two, which I'm sure you will. Sophia makes another appearance. Bye now. On um, the management side there, Eddie, and, and said that you'd never about the players and stuff, and never put all the attention on yourself. Mm -hmm. And what what made you get into management in the, the first place? How did that come about? I know we've jumped over yeah. a wee bit of your playing <laughs> career know, there. It's but almost a progression. I went from um, so at United. Remember, I said I went from community coaching to S form coaching, yeah. and then became the manager or the head coach of the under 14s mm -hmm. And my captain was Mark Wilson. Right, okay. Which is a massive coincidence now when you think about yeah. Airdrie and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I really enjoyed that. It gave me a feeling of, right, I had to prepare a team to get ready for the game at the mm -hmm. weekend. And uh, I remember, believe it or not, breaking, we're looking to get a youth set up on the goal. Yep. So Jake Ferrier spoke to me and said to me I should put in a CV. Mm -hmm. So I did. And I then went to meet the directors, mm -hmm. and uh, it was people like David Burst and Hugh Campbell Adamson who were uh, speaking to me. The set, he, who's now the chairman, Ken Ferguson is the chairman yep. now, um, and they were very encouraging, I have to say, and they really helped me. And what I did is, because I've been going to games at the weekend for United. I knew the Dundee League yeah, you know at, at these levels, I knew it inside out. Mm -hmm. So what I did is, I cherry-picked the best ones that were down in my notebook, mm -hmm. and I went out. So Breakin didn't have a team at all, uh, under 16s, 17s, whatever it was, 16s it was. And I cherry-picked the best of my book, and went along, and I brought them in. We trained them all the way through pre-season. My first game I played was against United's, mm -hmm. uh, under 16s, and we got... 
I nearly had it and we had double figures. Interestingly enough, the league scheduled, the fixture list scheduled us to meet them mm-hmm. in about the second, second or third game. Right, okay. And uh, we do one one. So the progress had made in that time was mm-hmm. huge. And uh, that that really got me going and thinking, right, maybe maybe this is yeah. this is where I've got to be then. So we ended up having a really good season at Brecon and uh, we were very competitive on the pitch. I know it's not about results, I get yeah, that. Yeah. But we Paul Harris, the young boy that I brought in, he made his first team debut that year. Mm-hmm. He became the youngest ever player to play for Brecon. Yeah. That must be a great feeling. It was a fantastic feeling. I was then at Largs, going through my B license or A license or whatever it was mm-hmm. then, I met the Arbroath manager, Dave Bakey, at yeah. the time. And he pulled me aside and says, we at Arbroath, we've got a great youth setup. How would you fancy coming on board with us? I said, well, I'm happy at Beacon. Mm-hmm. He says, but this is full time. Mm-hmm. So of course, nah, full time. I jumped at it. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was that next step that I needed. So what I'd done, I'd, I'd done, I'd been a community coach, I'd done the scouting bit, I'd done the community work, I'd done the S form training, mm-hmm. I'd done the running the team on my own, I'd done running the whole youth setup. Yeah. Now I was full time at youth mm-hmm. setup. And uh, my very first uh, assignment we our growth was we had to go to France and take part in this French tournament. Mm-hmm. And uh, how did that come about? How was the how did the tournament come about with our growth? <clears throat> Especially in France, of all places. Well, um, they had a, a French player called Freddy Deswart. Right. And uh, he he lived close to the area, right, north okay. of France. Mm-hmm. And uh, he'd spoke to the club. Right, okay. And what I didn't realise was I would have to drive the bus <laughs> on the ferry and then get the players on there. So myself and another guy who was helping, assistance coaching, we took a coach load of players to France. Yep. And my captain was Andy Webster. Ah, are you okay? And um, he's had a no bad career. Yeah, Gavin <laughs> Swanky was in my group. Right, okay. Uh, and quite a few other ones. They ended up. I took Tolkien United when I went there eventually, but um, we went over there and we were drawn in a group. We um, now forget it, Feyenoid mm-hmm. and Dynamo Kiev, who were right. the holders. Okay. Yeah, no, sorry, Feyenoid were the holders. Dynamo Kiev were the favourites. Right. So we were in the same group as them. It was only like maybe, I think it was half an hour each way. Right. We were also in the, um, the Croatian champions. Right. Is it Dino Zabreg? That'd be right. Aye. Yeah, I mm-hmm. think that's right. I might be wrong, but I think it was Hajik Split was the other one. Right, okay. So every game was against the household name. Mm hmm. We were obviously meant to be also runs and yeah, yeah. everybody. Yeah. Uh, we won the group. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. We won the group and in the process knocked out the reigning champions. Brilliant. Which were a, a remarkable feat. Mm-hmm. And uh, the mighty Arbroath. Yeah. Now, and I felt good about that because what I hadn't said is that in my last year at school I left. My mum moved to Arbroath, mm-hmm. so I went to live in Arbroath. Yeah. So. Absolutely. I was back someplace where I actually yeah. knew. My brother to this day still lives there. We won the group and we went in the quarterfinals and we won the quarterfinal. And then we went to the semi-final and we got we got Dynamo Kiev. And I thought, oh, this would be one. Yep. I'll never forget their coach at the time. The sun was blazing in France. Mm-hmm. And I remember him, he'd put up like these parasols outside the pitch. 
and all these players were all sitting under these parasols in the right, sun. Okay. And I learned from that because I thought, that's attention to detail. Mm -hmm. This guy was up. Uh, he was very, very good. Maybe acute touches that you yeah. can put on to help the players. and. Yeah. And what I've discovered in my career is over the years is that pay attention to the small details because the more of these small details you get right, that's when big things happen. Yeah. We got absolutely annihilated for your time, okay? Mm -hmm. I think it ended up 3 0, but it was a doing. And they were probably by far the best youth team I'd ever seen yeah. at that point. Which, and I, wasn't, I hadn't been doing this long, but we came back and the whole club were very, very proud of what mm -hmm. we achieved. And rightly so, I have yeah, to say. Yeah, rightly so. And the players were fantastic. They bought into everything we'd want to put in place. But I have to say, I was, I was fortunate that I had a really good group. Mm -hmm. And uh, at our growth, the manager had um, a fallout with the board and he decided he was going to resign. Yeah. So he handed his resignation and unfortunately for him, the board accepted it. Right, okay. But um, he was still trying to fight to keep his position. Mm -hmm. And in the meantime, I remember um, Jake Ferry, I keep mentioning, he yep. was one of the first team coaches mm -hmm. who had that weekend. Yeah. Basically, because I was full-time and he was full-time at the club, we'd basically been told, you guys are taking the team tomorrow at Hamden. Mm -hmm. I was at Queen's Park. Yeah. And my initial reaction probably tells you exactly how I felt. I said, I'm not taking any team tomorrow. Mm -hmm. She says, I ah, This was a physio telling us. Yep. I says, no, I'm not. She says, no, you are. I think the board won't use to take it. I says, I was brought here to look after youth set up mm -hmm. with the manager. As far as I'm concerned, Debate is still a manager, so yep. I'm going to stay loyal to that. Mm -hmm. It cost me the job. Really? Yeah. And the club then appointed John Brownlee, mm -hmm. the ex -hibson. Yeah, yeah. I never got off to a particularly good start with John Brownlee. Mm -hmm. um, maybe I could have tried better, maybe he could have tried better, uh, but we never had off. I ended up leaving the club. And John Holt again. Mm -hmm. He was manager of a junior side called Dundee Violet. Right. And he asked if I'd go and help him. Right, okay. Said, yeah, of course. So I did. And that started off me back into the role again of yep. management. But I was assistant. Mm -hmm. I mean, John would be away, maybe on courses or whatever. I would have to go and fill in and take the team in his mm -hmm. absence. Which was a great experience for somebody at that time still just done 30. Yeah. In fact, the, the job that led you on to, was it Lockie? Well, Dan Taylor, who had been a teammate at Montrose, mm -hmm. came up to see me at training one night at Violet, and he says, Eddie, I've got something to speak to you about. Can I speak to this? He says, And he says to me, looking like they're looking to go and appoint a manager. He says, I've recommended you. Mm -hmm. you think? And I says, thanks very much. I'd be interested. So I went to meet the board, and uh, I was quite daunting, I have to say, going in the first time, and they've got the boardroom and the big table there and the other. Yeah or the board sitting around this table and asking questions of what I'm going to do, etc. And all I did was just answer as honestly as I could. So the first thing I did was take the team in the last game of the season, which was a cup tie. So it was a cup tie at home against Brechin. And we won 3 Yep. That then put us through to the next round, where after that great effort of winning against Brechin 3-0, we were, we were pulled to play Teapot, mm -hmm. who were the top side yeah. in the region, probably in Scotland, not just the region, and managed by Dave Bakey. 
It's all connected together somehow yes, here, yes, isn't it? Yes. Um, the game was, was forgettable for the fact that I got two players sent off and we got beat 9-0. Okay. So my first ever game mm-hmm. was with manager on my own. Mm-hmm. I got an absolute hammer. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the players I got sent off was uh, Dan Taylor, who recommended me for the job at mm-hmm. Lockheed. One of the coaches at the club as well, who played still. It was a losing battle. I realised then that I would have to turn this team round. Yeah. So what I did before at breaking, I went and did again at Lockheed. Back to my notebook. Yep. I went, I raided our growth mm-hmm. and took several players for there. Yeah. They played under me. Um, I must have took Stephen Lee one, Kenny McMullen two, Paul Donnell three. I took the A3 and A3 and made a massive difference for me. And they signed some local players that knew the juniors because yep. there'd be a junior game at that time of year every night, but so. Yeah. So I'd go and watch games and see mm-hmm. quite fancy him. Try and get him or try and get this one, try and get that one. And what I have to say is I learned a big, big lesson that, that year. That no matter where you go in management, make sure that you have the backing of the people in charge. Yeah. Because it's vital. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't have that, you're not going to be a success. Mm-hmm. I was so lucky. The chairman of Lockheed was a man called Tom McMillan. And he was like a father. He was incredible. Mm-hmm. He backed me to the help. We managed to get players like... We got million pound players, Andy Dow and Graham McKinnon, mm-hmm. on board the team. Yeah. I mean, these guys had gone to the English Premiership. Yeah. The Chelsea Knots Forest respectively. Mm-hmm. So for the guys to be coming at this level and mm-hmm. playing juniors, I mean ridiculous. So my second year and my first full year, we managed to win that title. Mm-hmm. And we won it unbeaten. Yep. Which I was really pleased with. That was us into the so called Super League. Yeah. And I remember everybody was touting us for oh they'll get relegated just coming up for the mm-hmm. They're no good enough, they'll get relegated. And that same season, I managed to reach one of the local cup finals between an inter-region cup final. Yeah. And we got Hill of Beath, who were a Super League team mm-hmm. in the final. And we got beat 5-0. Mm-hmm. That probably showed how far away we were. And at that point, I realised I need to go and do another reject job. Yep. And they devastated the team and started bringing in better players. In the end of the season, we finished four points off winning the title. And uh, I was first year in the Super League and we managed to be really competitive and no far off winning that title. But I had good players with McKinnon and mm-hmm. that. And the young boys that signed for our growth were now grown men. Yep. So the team was getting stronger and stronger. Yeah. The following year, which was our second year in the Super League, we won it by a mile. Mm-hmm. And we also reached the Scottish Cup final. Is that again Teapot? At Tannerice. Mm-hmm. That's special. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we lost, you know, but people didn't realise that I think we played them including cups and leagues we played them about five times that year mm-hmm. and we won every one yeah. so we went to that final with favourites which is probably unrealistic because they'd been in the Scottish Cup finals yeah previously yeah mm-hmm. and I didn't realise how much that experience would have mm-hmm. and it was massive again another thing I learned very early on was experience counts for a lot no definitely yeah. and um, at the end of that year which would have been about 2005, Montrose came calling. Mm-hmm. We won the league, we went to the final of the Scottish Cup, Montrose came calling yep. about November. I had my first game away at Elgin around about Christmas time. I think it was Boxing Day. And I'll never forget, the chairman had told me when I first took over, she said, do you want you to be the manager? I said, right, he says, but you have to cut the wage bill by a third 
So the very first thing I had to do was cut the wage ball by half. So see what I did was I looked at the squad and I looked at their um I looked at where they were from and I decided the easiest way to do this would be anybody that wasn't within the area Montrose, let them go. Yeah, let them go first. So we had three or four players from Edinburgh with a couple of Glasgow. Mm -hmm. They were the ones that let go. Right, okay. And uh, it then meant that what I did have, I had a local base group of players. Because I started picking up one or two junior players mm -hmm. and brought them in. And other local ones. And training went from, I tell you, my United, last ever training session at Lockheed United was at Gussie Park, mm -hmm. which is right opposite Danny's. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we had someone like 20 odd players turn up. Mm -hmm. My very first training for Montrose was the following night at Gussie Park. Mm -hmm. I had about 14 and I had players turning up wearing Dundee kit. Yeah. Wearing um, old clubs mm -hmm. kits. And I just thought, this is going to be a tough job. Mm -hmm. I need to get these guys to a bit of uniformity and just start bringing all the wee things that were in at Lockheed. Yep. Training numbers started going up. Mm -hmm. And I never forget, it was another thing I learned from Jim McLean was when he took over United, everybody had to stay within the city. And then meant that, meant the wee Jim had his finger on every pulse. Yep. And he knew that if he wanted to get a training session in, just get to play the role of the Aye, they're there, you can yeah. get them. I think it was Andy McLaren, I read, saying, talking about that. I, I showed it what took Montrose. Mm -hmm. I managed to get a local venue, Ardroth, to train. Then that was their biggest rivals. Yeah. Ardroth Sports Centre, so we trained there once and we trained at Lynx Park once. Mm -hmm. We had really good training sessions. So as you can see, as I was going with my career, I was I was using bits and pieces that I picked up elsewhere mm -hmm. to help um, go through that. At Montrose, I didn't realise that by being so quick and getting some players out the door, mm -hmm. it would hurt me long term. Yeah. And it did. Because there were some half decent players there. Mm -hmm. It's changed that a bit too quick. Yeah. But it was um, it was remarkable that, I mean, it was still a huge success. When I first went there, they had the uh, Mantos Boys Club mm -hmm. with the youth section yep. in the whole town. They had Mantos Rosalie, the junior team, mm -hmm. and they had Mantos, the football team, senior. Mm -hmm. No, none, not one of the sections talked to the other one. Yeah, so different entities and yeah. everybody out for their own. Yep. So what I decided to do was pull them all together. Mm -hmm. So I sat around a whole range of meetings and I managed to get meetings between like say, the local uh, SFA development officer, yep. which at that time was GMFA. Right, okay. And uh, managed to get the Montrose Youth and the Montrose Rosalie plus ourselves as a senior club and the SFA, we were all together trying to develop a community club mm -hmm. and I would go to the schools, I'd go out to yeah. their games and stuff like that and watch what was going on. So what it did do it, people were not but they saw this mm -hmm. and they're like, by the way, this guy's trying to unite the whole town. Yep, bring it together. Yeah, the great thing is, to this day now, that they're now our community club now. Yeah. So, and I'm very proud of that fact that I played mm -hmm. a significant role in that. It was only a few weeks ago, I was invited back up mm -hmm. to see them against Clyde. Yeah. And they got the point they needed to yeah. was top four. So me and my wife and this rascal were up there. How did it feel being back? How was it? That was great. That was great. Um, more so because a lot of people that you maybe hadn't saw for a number of years, and whilst they may walk with a stick now, that's not what they remember. Yeah. 
Their memories are oh, the hat against St Johnson or yep. scoring against fourth in the final. Or mm-hmm. Remember your goal against St Tannis. Yeah. So it's always great to reminisce over things like that. Definitely, as long as they remember the the good times on the yeah, pitch as well. That, that was and that was about not just that. It's the first time Emma had been up to my toes with me. Yeah. So Emma, unfortunately, maybe only saw me play football twice. Mm-hmm. Um, but never at that level. Yeah. So for her to hear all these stories about me as a player, I was pleased for her to hear. Definitely, it must have been good. Must have been good. Um, and all the way through, the chairman kept saying, don't worry about results. Mm-hmm. The chairman kept saying, he says, you've cut the ways ball by half. Yep. Um, and I managed to keep it competitive. Mm-hmm. And in that league at the time was, make sure you had Cowden Beath. Yeah. They, they won the league by a, ra- oh, by a landslide. Easily they ran away with it. Also in that league was, Billy Stark had Queen's Park. Yeah. Des McEwen, who's a good friend of mine, he has Stenis Muir, good expos as well, including the boy Templeton played for Stenis. Yeah, yeah. So that was the level of competition. It was very, very tough. But again, I'd experienced that in the juniors. Yeah. I'd experienced the level of that. But it's amazing when I look at my career and back on it now, and even speaking to you about it, is the amount of times the same clubs and the same people come into it again. Yeah, keep popping up. Mm-hmm. You realise that until now? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Mixie obviously been there yeah. and winning it. And I got on well with Mixie, who actually invited me to Cowan Beath. He did something out the ordinary. Cowan Beath was just a part time club. You expect train twice a night, mm-hmm. two nights a week, and yep. play on Saturday. Not for Mixie. He decided they were going to train 10 o'clock every day. Oh, okay. And anybody can make it, can make it. Mm-hmm. And do you know what? I went from 1 to 2 to 5 to 6 to 9. To the day I went along, there was about a dozen. Because what they did, they opened up to. The young kids at school was fantastic. It's changing the culture. Yeah. Really? Years down the line, I would go and change the cultural club I went to. Yeah. Yeah. But again, make sure you had a great effect on that. You'd probably call it a magpie, I steal ideas for other people. Like that. But it's, it's the way life works. Yeah, definitely. Take an idea and then, or the concept, and shape it to the way you want it mm-hmm. to be. 100%. I think that's what everybody does, isn't it? Or tries to do. Yeah. Whether they implement it and, and get it to work, it's a totally different yeah. thing. And again, it's... You need a support mechanism in place to help mm-hmm. you. So at Montrose after that, I w- wouldn't say that statistically it was the greatest time in my career. Mm-hmm. After being knocking out and win, 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 at Montrose it was far different. I was finding that I was losing more than I was winning. And I think I only won two of the last 14 or 15 games. Yeah. And maybe drew about seven. But what I showed you was we weren't an easy team to beat. I remember going to Hamden against Billy Stark's team, being 2-0 down and coming back and drawing 2-2. Mm-hmm. And I remember my assistant, Scott Cope at the time, saying to the chairman, well, what do you think of that, chairman? And the chairman had said, um, ah, you should be well beat. Scott's answer sticks to me to this day, he says, oh, you thought we'd been a motivational speaker? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but faith, but I believe faith. Yeah, considering Billy Stark did be that team, it was a fantastic result to go there and mm-hmm. get a draw. Uh, the boy John Coughlin was manager of Berry at the time as well. Yep. They were in the league. We went down there and we got a 1-1 draw down there. I mean, we were in another hard place to go. We were going to places like this mm-hmm. and get results. Tough places to go. Yeah. Tough, tough places to go. I decided that um, I wasn't working so well. And to this day, I've got a, a letter, I'm sure it's in that draw, from the Mintrose fans, the mm-hmm. Trust. Yeah. And I'm proud of that letter because it says that that my episode at Montrose was one of the most disgraceful periods in the club's history. Mm-hmm. 
because I'd been so undermined. And how I got undermined was, I got a phone call from this guy saying, remember Kenny Black? Aye. Now, I worked with Kenny Black at United, and uh, he says, he's got some money to invest. He's wondering if you'd recommend him to invest in the Montrose. Mm -hmm. I says, yeah, of course. He says, your position will be safe. And I went, fine. So I recommend him to the chairman, John Payton, and thing. And John's still there to this day. I'll never forget John's words to me at the time. He says to me, are you sure you want, want to go through with this? He says, why? He says, because this guy's basically want to take over the club. He says, mm. I says, yeah, why not? But what I never knew is his best pal was David Robertson. Right, okay. The ex-Rangers. Yeah, ex-Rangers left back, full yeah, back. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And had him as manager at Elgin. Right, okay. This Kenny Black had turned up at a mentor's game end of the season and said, decided that Eddie at that time needed help mm -hmm. and the best help he can get would be David Robertson. Right, okay. So I met with David a couple of times. I have to say I wasn't enamoured. Even his conversation about the club and how you take it forward, I remember him saying to me, I'm, I don't really like the training. He said, I prefer just to be in the dugout. Mm -hmm. He said, I like the games. Right, okay. And I said, right, okay. Mm -hmm. Not the greatest to start, to be fair, is it? No, so, but I wasn't experienced enough in a game long enough yeah. as a manager at the time mm -hmm. to know how to deal with that. Yep. I went away on holiday, and I forget, I went on holiday, I was in Turkey, and suddenly one of my coaches phoned me in Turkey and says to me, Montrose had just unveiling half a dozen signings. Mm -hmm. The club in my absence had went and signed players. Signed players with it, letting you know? Yeah. That's not great. I was at that point, I knew something was going on behind. Was on yep. I remember speaking to at that time, Jim McLean and Kenny Cameron, who I mentioned yep. there, and the advice we received to both of them, don't quit. Basically, if you quit, you'll be seen as a quitter all your days. Mm -hmm. All right, right, fine. So I didn't quit, I stuck it out. Until one day, we played our both at Gayfield, and I knew I'd been a player at Montrose twice. Yep. I knew what that Derby game was all about. Yeah, massive. Just didn't get beat. Mm -hmm. And um, I think we got battered, and after the game, Kenny Black came in and says, I want to see how you guys in the dressing room. We were sitting in the way dressing room at Gayfield, and then he come, and the kit man and that were in there as well. Mm -hmm. He says, right, this is it. He says, the team's not fit enough. He says, an accusation I've never heard about my team. And I knew they were fit as well. Mm -hmm. So he says, they're not fit enough. You need to run them. He says, so I'm telling the kit man right now, you to Dave Robinson are going to run the chain up in Aberdeen for all the Aberdeen-based players. Mm -hmm. Eddie, you'll do the Dundee players. Yeah. And he had this other guy and he said, you'll do the West Coast players. Right, okay. So there's a split. Uh, mm -hmm. And I says, how's that going to work? He says, well, you can come together once a week. So as a team will train once a week. Yep. yep. I says, how many work on set places there? Can you do that one night? Again, another learning curve. Don't divide the team up. Yep. So sure enough, the very first thing I did on the Monday was I got the Dundee ones together and I, got, I brought them to Camperdown Park in Dundee, mm -hmm. which is where I used to take my looking at team. Yep. There's um, trail runs. That's all the timings for my looking at team. Yep. For that. Now, bear in mind, you know, this level of player I had at Lockheed, they were young, fit, athletic, and new. So I put through the local basement Trolls players the same runs, timed them, and the times were right up there, be as good as mm -hmm. they've done at Lockheed. So I knew then that the accusation of the fit was not true. Nah, they were fit. They were fit. I need that for me, I didn't need that for them, I need that for me. Mm -hmm. At that time I was I was becoming really frustrated. I decided I was going to go to university. Yeah. 
So I went to uni, I thought, there has to be something more, and enrolled at Aberdeen University on a sports coaching development mm -hmm. degree. And then the course of that degree, I picked up things that I used to this day. I did my dissertation mm -hmm. on pre-season training traditionally against the pre-season I would do. Yeah. So the pre-season I would do, even then, is the same as now. I would always use the ball. Yeah. To get the players fit. Whereas traditionally, it was the kind of pre-season I was used to when I played. Run up and down the holes and mm -hmm. you were cross-country and all that. Yeah. So I did that as my dissertation. And the key thing is, it meant that I had to go to the university, stick the guys on the treadmill and run them to exhaustion. Mm -hmm. Putting the treadmill every minute, putting the yep. pace up. Till the guys were, it's called the VO2 max. Yeah, bust. And uh, yeah. So what it would show was, this is how long the boys lasted. Mm -hmm. So I did the same with the Lockheed players, I did the same with the Mentos yeah, players. definitely. And the results that came back from the university, there's no difference in the fitness of them and them. So the thing about that, if there was no difference between Mentos playing at senior level and the Lockheed United players playing at Super League level, yeah. and they're training with the ball and they're no, mm -hmm. then what's the point? Yeah. Because for me, the benefits are training with the ball, you enjoy it more. Yep. You're still getting fit. Mm-hmm. Tactically improving as well mm -hmm. because I could do things like right play one two and then third man running You can work tactically with your yep. players in pre-season mm -hmm. and you still get tactics involved So my way of working was getting the players tactically fitter Technically fitter mm -hmm. and physically fitter and the players are still after a long day at work We're enjoying it. That's a big part for them as well, aren't it? As you say, it's a long day at work. Some of them might yep. be for six in the morning to Absolutely. Five at night and then come to training. And again, that shaped my career right, that shaped me right through mm -hmm. the field again. I went and spoke to Kenny Black at the time and says, listen, can we meet up with you and I? I said, because I kind of work under that regime. Mm -hmm. With David Robson being in yep. and us taking different parts of the training. I mean, one day I was in a dugout at Montrose. This guy comes out and walks across the dugout and scores in six in the dugout. And I says to him, fuck you, you. <laughs> she says, oh, I've been told by Kenny Black to come and just keep an eye on the team. So that was interference that I talked mm -hmm. about. And as I said, I wasn't experienced enough to know how to deal with that. Yeah. What I did learn for that was, if you're in management or in a club, then the less changes at boardroom level, the yeah. better. Because the people that put you in place will be more loyal to you than mm -hmm. new people coming on board. Yeah, Because you know their man. Yeah. So, like, Kenny back on board, I wasn't his choice. He knew me and we got on well enough, but I wasn't his choice. Mm -hmm. So it was a mistake for me. Yeah. I made a huge mistake and recommending them to the club to speak to them. So I decided that that was me. The club paid me up for another six months or so, paid my wages and mm -hmm. let us go. What, what came after? Montrose, was it a straight move to the city or was it? Was there a time in I between? Was, um, I'll tell you what it was. I was living in Perth, uh, we had an H with my mum. Yeah. And then mum was playing for Newbury Juniors. Right. The women's team. Yeah. And I went along to watch a game the mum had told me that the Scott, the women's Scottish Scott final was going to play them in Demet Park mm -hmm. that weekend. Yeah. And I went along and I bumped into Anna Senor. We spoke and she says to me, how would you like to come to Sweden? Mm -hmm. I said, Sweden? She went, aye. I said, what for? She went, just a fact-finding mission. Yeah. I said, it's a, it's a very generous offer. And I accepted, yeah. I said, yeah, mm -hmm. that'd be great. She went, okay, I'll be in touch. And sure enough, she, she did. She got in touch and I was invited. 
and I went and what we did is we went round the whole of Sweden mm. to all their clubs. Yep. Women's. Well, the, I think the first thing we did the very first night is we went to see a World Cup qualifier between Sweden and Denmark or something. Yeah. And I saw Larsen and Ibrahimovic play up front together. Mm -hmm. Not a bad duo to see playing yeah. up top together, eh? Also there was um, the Glasgow City contingent of Lauren Montgomery. Yep. Caroline Stewart. Um, Kate Cooper, Peter Caulfield, mm -hmm. they were all there. So I got speaking to all them on the bus and they were asking me different things and asked my opinion as I said. But that Newbury team that had helped that year had not set out mm -hmm. the League Cup yeah. and had finished third in the league mm -hmm. behind City and Hibs. Yeah. Hibs had won the league, I think they won every single game. Yep. And City were second and Newbury were third. I had a good season with them there and I enjoyed it. Um, but I found it, I have to say, I found it easy. Yeah. I thought, right, women's football, what do I need here? And I decided, right, for day one, this is how I was going to play. And I had the place to play that certain way. Mm -hmm. And I did. We were really pacey up front. Yeah. We were pretty direct. But my word, we caused teams problems. Mm -hmm. The only three teams that beat us all season in all competitions was City and Hibs. City beat us in the league game, and Hibs beat us in both semi finals. Yeah. That was it. Mm. Incredible. Yeah. That's incredible. Certainly, think the power that they had at the time, you know. It's we got speaking to me, and I met, it was Peter actually said, What would happen if Nubra joined We City? I said, Well, you'll end up creating a super team mm -hmm. because you've got third, second in the league and third in the league. Yep. Because he knew as well, Hibs had all the power. The yeah. Hibs were easily the best team in the league by a mile. Yeah. The two semi finals that Nubra went to that season, Scottish and the League Cup, Hibs had beaten them both semi. Mm -hmm. That was where, like, said, Laura Williamson, Joe Parson, Leanne Ross, that's what they ended up at City. Yeah. So, at the end of that season, Peter got in contact and says, what about trying to bring some of the players on board, would you help us pre-season and that? And I says, I, and then Lauren that come and say, Eddie, I know you know back in the men's game and that yet, but how do you feel about coming and joining us as a salaried coach? Mm -hmm. I says, well, I'd be very interested. Yeah. I have to say that their ambition from day one was what really appealed to me. Yeah. I thought I could work with these people mm -hmm. because they were very ambitious and that was what got me at City. Mm -hmm. I think your time at City is, was it Peter Peter left and you took over or his manager? Well, and I mean, there's conflicting reports on how it happened. But yeah. What I can tell is that at the end of our first season working together, mm -hmm. it was very successful. We won the treble. Yep. And uh, we knocked him off the perch. Mm -hmm. I said to the club that I was going to be applying for different jobs. Yeah. Because I remember having a conversation with Yana, and she says, she says, how are you enjoying it? I said, that's, that's good. I says, but I'm a bit frustrated sometimes. I says, and she went, this is over in Sweden. She says, look, look at him there. There was a Swedish coach. She went, that could be you in a couple of years. What do you mean? She went, look, he's full-time, paid for salary, full-time mm -hmm. salary, and how prophetic were our words. Yeah. Because that did end up being me. Mm-hmm. But that time I'd actually feel it says to, I think I spoke to Lauren and says, listen, I'd like to do something else. I'm going to apply for something, yeah. something else. I'd kind of caught the bug for the women's game. Yeah. And uh, and it was hard initially because being brought up in football since I was a young kid in the men's side then, and you know how hard it is. Yeah. Traditionally, the women are overlooked mm -hmm. because they're not seen as they can't play football. Yeah. And yet they can but it's hard. And I remember uh, somebody once saying to us, don't get too involved in the women's football mm -hmm. because you'll, you'll end up cutting yourself off in the men's game. Yeah. And I was like, right, okay. And I took on board that, but the fact I always had that information in the back of my head, 
meant I was very, very careful not to lose the relationships I had in the men's game. Yeah. So I made sure I kept on them open. That's key in the game though, isn't it? Networking. That's key to have the, the relationships and the networking that you, you yeah. build over the years. Mm, absolutely. But the great thing was that, for me, going to City from scratch and seeing what they turned into, mm -hmm. then I was able to make mistakes there yeah. without really the pressures that I would have in the men's game. So that was a big boost. It got, it got me back to the winning ways that I had at Lockheed. Yeah, definitely. Most definitely. Most decorated coach in, in women's football. Uh, probably can argue that. But, um, again, it goes back to what I said earlier about owners. Yep. You have to be, you have to work with people who are as ambitious as you. Mm -hmm. And that at City, that was a case. At Lockheed Knight, that was a case. Even at Edu Sport, that was a case. Yeah. What were the Champions League nights like at City? That's something not a lot of people get to experience as a manager. What were they like for you against the the PSGs and the Arsenal's and and other teams that you they came up against? Because on a normal Sunday, we were that dominant, we didn't really get challenged. Yeah. So the build up to these games, I would be in this house and I would be having, like you just mentioned, the Arsenal game there. Yep. I don't think I've ever studied the team more than them. Mm -hmm. I knew they'd play inside out. And the fact that it was against a personal class of a friend, yeah. uh, Shelley then, meant I didn't want to let us down. Mm -hmm. I wanted to make us as well prepared as possible. Even got to the stage whereby I spent um, a whole week on tagging every single pass each player made mm -hmm. and who they would pass most Yeah. So for example, off the top of my head I think, M Mitchell would pass a straight ball line to Ellen White. Mm -hmm. Tension to detail. Yeah, so mm -hmm. things like that. And I made sure my players knew that. But we had good players as well. But Definitely. I do have regrets sometimes and look back one or two European matches that I didn't have a right go. Mm -hmm. So yeah, let's just go for this. Let's do it. There was a couple of magical nights. I mean, the, the Arsenal game at Peters Hill was, yeah, was special. It was yeah, special. The crowd was special, the atmosphere around the place. Was, I think yeah. I heard an interview recently, the boy saying that he can't write City off yet. Yeah. Uh, and he said, and I think he was talking to you, but it was a quick one before you were running on the bus, and he's like, you can't really write these off after the game down there. And the key part, or one of the key parts you said, and it was about the, the crowd behind you, and mm -hmm. they made some noise that night. As they did it, they're doing a couple of occasions as well. It was pretty special. It was too big for us. Ah, massive. Didn't help us in Europe. In fact, if we had played PSG at Peter's Hill, yep. we might have had the game a far lot closer mm -hmm. than people would have imagined. Nice and tight right on top yeah. of them and make them uncomfortable as well. Yep. Because yep. they're just open. It's too big. Aye. It's too big for us. Yep, it was open. But you're talking about the, the good players that City had as well. Who's... It's a tough question for you to ask, but who's the best you've worked with? At City? Anywhere, uh, City included. Suzanne Larkin was the best City player I've yeah. worked with. She was great at that That run you were talking about, just to be pre-seen down, third man run. She was great at that. Getting in the end of things, scoring goals. The, the timing we got through to the quarterfinals of the Champions League, Sue scored the goal, which is really fitting, um, because it was a Leanne Ross cross. Yeah. And Sue would probably tell you that all her headed goals the Ross had probably crossed in about 80% of them. Mm -hmm. So it was really she's mentioned that, that night, it was... Yeah, they two. They two that got the winning goal. And uh, but Sue, Sue, you couldn't get a beach ball off Sue in the telephone mm -hmm. box. <laughs> so it was that good. I mean, I remember playing uh, East Coast Brides under Ian King took them. We, uh, Giggsy, Craig Young. Mm -hmm. And we played them the 15s or 16s. We City, fair to say that we gave them a bit of doing. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, after it, they, they were like that, who's that in the middle of the park for you? I said, oh, that's Sue Lamb. 
you couldn't get the ball for you. Mm -hmm. Could not get the ball for you because she protects the ball so, so well. Yeah, she's a body well. Clever. Clever and thought upstairs as well. Yeah, she's intelligent. And, but she's, in the women's game, she's the best I've ever worked with. Mm -hmm. And I've worked with some good ones. Fishlock was phenomenal. Oh, I forgot she was that city, yeah, she was incredible. She was phenomenal. Mm -hmm. She was somebody who made the best of her ability because mm -hmm. her attitude was so good. Yeah. Kat Lindler, Special she was player. not a really ah, crappy right. player. She was. I remember when the first thing Christy Murray, Kat and Christy together, the two of them just seemed to be on the same wavelength. Mm, same page. And, oh, they were brilliant together. Christy's another very intelligent player, isn't she? Yeah. Technically sound, very sound. There's a lot of ones that have been really proud of and seen how they're Careers have progressed. Yeah. When I first turned up at City, Emma was a substitute. Yeah. As a substitute wide striker or winger. Right, okay. Aye, that's and, news. Uh, we converted her into a full back. Mm -hmm. So when you see her go on to make just short of 50 Scotland caps yeah. at full back, then you think, I would have done a good job. Aye, it's a good one. And Rachel, of course, is another one who was a wide midfielder. Right, okay. I used to give her a bit of stick <laughs> and say to her that. You're a wee fat, fat midfielder, <laughs> couldn't run, and she just laugh it off. As Rachel does, but great credit to her because Rachel was really determined to make the best of her ability as mm -hmm. well. And Jess was a good influence on her. Yeah. I have to say, and to see Rachel now playing Seattle and holding down the place as well. Yeah, definitely. And through merit, she's not mm -hmm. getting any favours done for her there. That that pleases me. Mm -hmm. I'm really delighted to see that, and probably. One of the proudest ones is Lisa Evan. Yeah. Because I, I coached her individually as a kid. Mm-hmm. She's electric. Exciting. Oh. Very exciting. When I saw her standing, holding up the trophy, and next there was Aaron Robin mm. with the men's trophy. Yeah. And they were in some square yeah. in Germany. She and their moment of glory with all these fans. What a fantastic memory that is for her. And she deserves it as well. Because Lisa was so quick, people could only see... Ah, oh, she's quick, she's got that's mm. it. They couldn't see what else she could give you. Fantastic goal scorer as well. I played Lisa off the left, mm -hmm. so she'd come in on her right. Yeah, got in. And many, many times did you see her coming in off that right and side footing it in the far corner. Yeah, you guided it then, she yeah. never ever smashed it. It was a wee guide into the, the corner, it was a wee bit yeah. of culture about it, a bit of beauty. And she's a great kid, and she's from a great family, I have to say. Mm -hmm. And obviously I'm close to the family, but they're a fantastic family, and I love. So, there's a few there that I've got a lot of good memories about. Definitely. I think when you look at all of them, there's a big thing that yep. they've all done. Hard work. We've worked hard. Yeah, they have. And the one before I left here, when I left with Cheryl McCulloch, mm. I managed to convert her into a centre-half. She was a striker first, weren't you? She was a striker, yeah. yeah. I can remember that, actually, hey? Yeah. She actually scored a couple of goals for us as well. Mm -hmm. I remember her scoring a hat-trick for City, and I thought, oh, this girl could play, but there was something... I don't know what it is, there's something players sometimes... We'll do something, I think. Oh, wait a minute. Uh, changes. Changes yeah. the whole perception of them. I remember we Corsi, we were, we were abroad playing the Champions League game and we were doing corner kicks and Corsi was doing the defending corner kicks and she kept winning every header. Mm -hmm. I thought to myself, this girl can head the ball for fun. Uh -huh. Strong. She, she wondered. We put her to centre half and, as I say, the rest history. No, definitely, yeah. She's went on to be a fantastic career. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very proud of these girls that they've had. On the men's side, I would say Andy Webster. Yeah. You kind of knew for when he was a young kid that he was going to be a, yeah. a pro. He was a fantastic player. Raymond McKinnon with a phenomenal talent. Raymond would go to the right-hand side and take a corner kick mm -hmm. 
his left foot and then swing it in. Yeah. And he got the other side exactly the same as Same thing. And to this day, he's still the only person ever to score a hat trick of three kicks in the Premier League. Yeah, yeah, actually wow. got it on YouTube. Aye. Raymond was, he was an absolute genius on the pitch. I mean, I've probably got 10 best goals, I've been at Locking United, 10 best goals, and Raymond had probably been involved in about eight of them. I remember one time at Kelty, he chipped a six foot five goalkeeper who was six yards out mm -hmm. on the six yard line, and Raymond chipped him for nearly the penalty spot. Technically brilliant. Oh, phenomenal. Clever. Oh, he was. Very clever. And who's that? What you realise is, see players like that, they make everybody else play better. Mm -hmm. They make it tick, don't they? They keep it going and make everybody else raise their game as well. And they do. They give so much belief to the team. Mm. Andy Dow is the one that, he just wouldn't get the ball away at all. Keep it. I just keep the ball and keep the ball and keep the ball. Which is a great trait because that was a Jim McLean trait. Mm -hmm. Don't give the ball away. And I kind of made my career about that. Get the ball, take a touch. Link it up, move on. Yeah. And I told you about Billy Dodger earlier on. Mm -hmm. He was fantastic at that. Aye. He's actually, when you were saying, right back at the start of this podcast about an hour and a bit ago, you were talking about you used to look at different players for different teams. Dodger's yeah. always one I looked at. I always used to think, I wonder when Rangers have seen Billy Dodge. Mm. And then he's that. His first old firm he scored at Parkhead, and it was like, Billy Dodge. I love Billy Dodge. Uh, yeah. I don't think my dad appreciated me saying I loved him in Aberdeen jersey, but I loved him nonetheless, you know. Good player. Cracking player. And there's both Dundee clubs. Mm -hmm. St Johnson, Aberdeen, Rangers, Scotland. Golden goals everywhere he went. Doing at Chelsea, mm -hmm. Partick. No, I think he's a friend that. And a really nice guy to boot as well. Finish up, I'm very conscious of the time and yeah. you've uh, got stuff to get done. Let's let's talk to finishing it. The good note of Barcelona. What's what's the love and the passion the the obsession about Barcelona? Barcelona's obviously a special place. Mm -hmm. Not just for me but for my wife as well. Yeah. Because uh, we were we got engaged there. Mm -hmm. I used to make trips across there regular and we continued that whenever and I were there and we've been going back ever since. Mm -hmm. And it's the way that they develop football players is phenomenal. Talking about retaining the ball, you go back to the ethos of Jim McLean again next mm -hmm. year. I've watched kids, I'm not the tallest as you know, mm -hmm. but in so many different clubs in this country, kids have been discarded because of their lack of height. Yeah. Whereas Barcelona went the complete opposite way. Mm -hmm. And they brought in Messi and yes, then Xavi, and they became the best in the world. Mm -hmm. That's what intrigued me about them. One of the first things I went across was... Um, Rijkaard was the manager. Yeah. But what people didn't realise is that Guardiola was, he was the head coach of the B team mm -hmm. at that time. Yep. They were doing brilliant. I went across to watch them and like said, Ronaldinho and Decos yeah. and all them Sangalettos all playing. That was a difficult thing to do in those mm -hmm. days because Arthur would have training sessions over there. Yeah. So you could stand here and just look at and watch them. Just watch it. Yeah. It's phenomenal. Imagine trying to do that up here. <laughs> can I get near them? And sometimes they feel that's a problem in this country. Mm -hmm. That for alienating the supporters so much that there's yep. no affection there now. No, it's money. They're so far away from the players now. Mm, it's just money. It's a shame. Yeah, but, and I've been back to see Barca train. I've watched almost every, every age group train, including the women. And I can tell you that what the first team do is what the under-10s do. Yeah. And one of the first things I did when I went to City was I put a manual together mm -hmm. on how to train the team. Yep. It was all based on Barcelona functions. I know that's something me and you spoke about when, when I came into City at first and we, we had a chat about it and 
You helped me out with a wee bit about it, terminologies and stuff, and what was going on, and I certainly took it on board, and it's something I believe in. And never ever been to Barcelona, it's on the wish list, but um, it's somewhere I definitely want to go and yep. and see what's happening. I mean, you can read every book in the world, but until you see it in front of your face, yeah, exactly, you're right. Until you see it, until you get to experience it, it's, it's okay for me to sit there and say, no. oh, I watched, I've got videos here actually. We watch kids as young as mm. seven and eight uh, do a finishing function. Yeah. And it was absolutely staggering to watch. Mm -hmm. Staggering. Kids were much bigger than her. <laughs> and every time it was boom, sign it, and sign it, mm -hmm. sign it. And I would, um, something I've always pushed my place. Hit side netting when you're doing shooting functions. Because mm -hmm. if you're hitting the side netting, the goal's no good. No, definitely. Or if he is, he's playing it out. Definitely. And, uh, but I go back and forward now, and I love the culture there. The weather's generally always good. And uh, I met some great people over there as well. Mm -hmm. Graham Hunter, you know. Yeah, yeah. Graham. Good guy. Aye. Really good guy. When I first went over there, was meeting with Graham and that for a couple of years. He was actually writing a book about Yeah, Marcia. yeah. And uh, little did we realise that he'd write about it and I would coach it. There's that link again. Mm. I got to know one or two coaches and I remember one of the times went over, M and I, we went inside the training academy and we got taken in this small office with the coach and the tactics board up. He just said, right, ask the questions. I was asked as many questions as I wanted. Mm -hmm. So what Emma did, Emma had a pen and paper and she just wrote down the questions mm -hmm. and the answers yep. to it. And I think I've still got that bit of paper in the garage to this day. Mm -hmm. Incredible. And that bit of paper, yeah, that's where the Glasgow City um, formula, shall we say, yeah. started on that bit of paper. Mm -hmm. I asked question after question after question and they had nothing back. Mm -hmm. Give you every single thing. That's rare. You don't often get that. Goes back to what I said earlier on. Yeah. And if there's one thing I'd say anybody that's a coach in the game is get yourself a mentor. Mm -hmm. That'd be the best thing you'll ever do. On that note, I think I've been quite open and honest about my mentors. I'd really like to thank you for that. Okay, Thanks welcome. very much for giving us your time. No thanks to Sophia for being the character that she is. Hiding, <laughs> thanks to you for sitting there and just enjoying it. But no, it's been great, it's been a pleasure. And Hopefully we can sit down some other time and for two hours and Absolutely. talk football and enjoy it. And we don't need to record it this time, we can enjoy life. But Eddie, thanks very much for coming Thank on the podcast, welcome. it's been a pleasure. Thank you and good luck with you. Thank you. And I'll always do it again How do you feel?